everybody. Welcome back to the Reclamation Podcast, where our goal is to help you reclaim good practices for life and leadership in Christ. This episode and all of our episodes are powered by Greg Fay Insurance. If you need protection and coverage in the insurance industry, you've got to go to gregfayinsurance.com. Talk to my man, Greg. Tell him Tony sent you. I promise you, phenomenal customer service. You can't go wrong with Greg Fay. Today on the podcast, Zach Aaron. Zach is a coach. He's a, a former two-time saddle bronc riding champion. He's a husband, a dad to three girls. And I'll tell you that he has got just this incredible perspective about what it means to be the man in the arena. I think you're going to love his energy, the stories. We get into all of the things, relationship coaching, bronc riding, which never thought I would say that. You're going to love Zach. And if you do, do me a favor. Go hook up with him on LinkedIn or on Instagram. Let him know that you heard him here on the podcast. It's one of the great ways that we share the love here on the Reclamation Podcast. So now, without any further ado, here's my conversation with Zach Arendt. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the podcast. I'm so excited today to have fellow podcaster, coach, and speaker Zach Arendt with us. Zach, thank you so much for taking the time to be here today. Yeah, thanks for having me on, Tony. I'm excited to jump into your story and all the twists and turns, um, but I always kind of like to start in the macro and talk a little about your calling. Like, how would you describe the calling that God has placed on your life? Yeah. Well, it, it probably starts back when I grew up. I grew up um, in a small town in Nebraska and 11 years old, I was roping in the county fair rodeo. Uh but I never felt like a real cowboy, not like the other kids, you know, like I, they grew up working in their mom and dad's ranches. I grew up working in my mom and dad's grocery store. So, mm. um, and I didn't really looking back, I didn't really want to do the whole roping and rodeo thing. It was my mom, Lisa, she was really into it. And she'd take me to these rodeos every Saturday. And that's when I, uh, saw my friend Travis climb over the back of a chute and get on the back of this giant Clydesdale horse, you know, and and he nods his head and the gate flies open and um, he rides that horse all the way to the buzzer and the crowd's applauding. And that's when I'm like, that's what I want to do, mom. You know that. Can I do that? (laughs) And she gets uh, his Travis's dad, Bruce Sturdy, to train me. And for two years, I did nothing but hit the ground. Two years. I broke bones, my collarbone, my hand, probably several concussions and still hadn't made it to the eight second buzzer. And the, the day came though, that I got on the back of this horse and I nodded my head and I just, I, it was like, it was yesterday. It was like slow motion. Every jump, I was perfect timing with the horse. I ride it to the buzzer, you know, the crowd's applauding and it's like, I did it, you know? And my mom, she's in the stands just going nuts. And, uh, I went on to become two-time state champion growing up. Hmm. And so you asked about my calling and that's a tough question, but I'm starting to see um, my coach once told me like, when you look in the rearview mirror, all you see is a straight line to where you are today. Wow. Um, And in the moment, none of it made sense. It just felt like struggle. And, and then, and then a, a a, a 11 year career in sales, vice president of sales of a a $300 million logistics company. And um, you know, every step, it just kind of felt like where, where is this thing going? What's next? But when you look in the rearview mirror, it all makes sense. And so fast forwarding now, like my calling really is to 
help people step into the arena of their own life because I've never felt more alive than when I was leaning into that edge of what I love to do and kind of that feeling of being at the bottom of a mountain and feeling that, um, that challenge. And I've just kind of taken that on as, as I've now left corporate, I'm a full-time coach entrepreneur, and I now help a lot of leaders and executives on their wild rides of, you know, stepping into who they believe themselves to be and, and step into their calling truly. So, uh, I'm not sure I answered your question exactly, but oh, that's, that, great. that's what's on my heart for sure. No, that's great. And uh, what I love about that is the, uh, the intertwining of that story of, of growing up on the back of a, a horseback kind of, um, I, you know, I, I've long believed that the true mark of a professional is somebody that makes something really hard look really easy. And so, uh, when I think about riding horses, I, I don't know anything about like bronking. I'm, it's probably the first time I've ever used the term. And so I, I just, cause I'm always love to chase my curiosity. What's one thing about bronking that like doing it well, that most people wouldn't know. Is it, is yeah. it like holding on? Is it like in the legs? Is it all abs? Yeah. What, I mean, what, what don't we know about bronking that we, that we should know? Yeah. Well, I may have forgot about most of it because it's been like 12 years since okay. I've gotten, right. really gotten on the back of a horse. Yeah, I still I still wear cowboy boots, but that's about it. I live <laughs> in the city. Um, my wife and I have three daughters. So that's kind of um, uh, in the past. But one of the things I do remember was like this is a 2000 pound wild animal. Right. And, <laughs> right. and I'm like, I'm 160 pound. Probably not. I was probably more like 140 pound you know, a uh, teenager in high school. And I just remembered like realizing like I, I can't try hard enough to stay on the back of this bronc. Like there, you can't fight mother nature. You got to learn to go with her, mm. Like you got to learn to be with that bronc. And, and, and this is, it's kind of like a dance. And that's probably the number one reason that I struggled for so long is I just, just was trying so hard instead of just letting it happen. And so that's probably the thing you asked. It's like learning to um, be with the horse and, and not in your head trying to, to do it because like, it's happening so yeah. fast. You just got to trust your instincts. And um, that was probably the hardest thing for me to get. Now, I, I imagine that there's a leader listening right now who's who's completely seeing themselves in this story from the sense of like, they're trying really hard to hold on to all the things that they have to do. And maybe they feel like they're being bucked off. Maybe they feel like uh, they're breaking their, you know, metaphorical collarbone. When, what, what's one piece of wisdom that maybe we could take about how did you know when it was time to surrender and go with the flow? Hmm. I don't know. This this might sound kind of um, not what people want to hear, but it was through hitting the ground so many times and the broken yeah. bones to where it's just kind of at some point you get to a point of surrender. Yeah. Like, and if this thing's going to happen, um, I I am kind of creating, drawing kind of the the metaphor, bronc riding to the entrepreneurial leader, the executive leader that's, you know, so this is kind of a creative. Um, yeah, of course. Uh, uh, lesson yet there is just kind of this letting go and um, trusting yourself, you know, and trust faith and just 
um, not take yourself so seriously. Mm. Yeah. That's and good. that's, that's been my experience anyway. So let me ask you this as a dad to a dad, right? You, you're, um, I think I have two boys and a princess. I know you have three girls, three girls. Yeah. Right. Like, so you're doing the girl, dad thing. And by all accounts, you're doing it well. Um, you're probably not gonna like encourage them to get on the back of a, a bronc and let them break all those bones. Maybe you will. I don't, I don't know, but right. Um, how, how do you in your kids today teach that idea of surrendering and going with the flow, but yet protect as much as you can as dads want to do. Like I want to protect my kids, but I want them to learn the hard lessons. How are you living in that tension today? Yeah. The, the first thing that's coming to mind is just my wife and I really try to role model it. Mm. Um, we're both entrepreneurs. So um, just not hiding the the struggles from the kids, you know, not, not that we're like going to just, but, but be really open with, what, what it's like, but then showing up courageous and being that role model. And when you ask that question though, my middle daughter, Sophie, she, she's really into musical. She's, she's uh, how old is she now? Nine. She's really getting into musical theater and she loves it. She's got, she did a little summer camp and I could just tell, you could see it in her eyes. She loves it. And her dance teacher told her, told me about this play for her audition. And she as soon as I mentioned the word audition, she didn't let me finish the sentence. She's like, no, you know, I'm not. And because we've had this conversation, she's like, she doesn't want to get rejected. Like, she's like, I don't want to be on stage and have to feel that. And, and long story short, she had an opportunity to do a video audition and we actually had a, a, a singing lesson scheduled with her singing coach. And so on our way there, I'm like, well, Delano can help you record your first edition. And she's like, okay. And I'll (laughs) never forget. Um, we pulled up in front of, um, his studio and, and, um, I usually wait in the car. Right. And Sophie looks at me, she's like, you're coming, right, dad. I'm like, well, yeah. Okay. Yeah. I'm coming. (laughs) So I'm just sitting there and, um, uh, her teacher asked her like, who inspires you? And she said, my dad, you know, and I'm just sitting there like I'm in the room and I'm like almost ready to start bawling. And, um, but I watched her, um, practice the song and then we went down and video recorded the edition. And I remember, um, that night we went to bed, you know, I sent the video edition off and, and she said, daddy, can we celebrate if I get the part? I said, baby, no, we're going to celebrate every single audition you do. Every mm. time you audition, that's when we're going to celebrate. And I think that, you know, sometimes you teach your kids stuff and you're like, yeah, how can I apply that to my life? You know, <laughs> but it was, it's like, yeah, it's always trying to um, kind of let the scoreboard take care of itself. You know, we've yeah. heard that metaphor and just stay in the process of being your best self in every moment of every day. Um, just keep showing up for those auditions and let the rest take care of itself. Yeah, that's uh, that's wonderful. I, I I like that imagery. And and man, I I learned so much from my kids. I can tell you do too. One of the things I'm curious yeah. about you you mentioned role modeling, and from all accounts, you seem like a, a really disciplined guy. W- what are some of the things that you do on a regular basis that keep you in a place where you can be a resource for leaders? Because I know you're constantly giving. But that has to come from somewhere. How do you, what are your go-to disciplines, your morning routines? Mm. What can we steal from you to make our lives better? That's really what I want to know. (laughs) Yeah. 
Well, I'm trying to think what it is. Something that reading books has just been something that has become such a habit that if I don't do it, it feels like something's, you know, something major didn't happen that day. Um, But my mornings, I've learned to get up early and read something that's just kind of inspiring. It kind of speaks to your soul and just gets you, gets, broadens that aperture a little bit and gets you thinking bigger than what's in front of you that day. Um, but I've tried, you know, mindfulness practices, prayer, journaling, and all the things. And what I've landed on is all of it, do it all. Um, but the second I made it a discipline, the second I made it, it's like, okay, what's my morning routine? Okay. I'm going to do this and then I'm going to make this and then I'm going to read this and then I'm going to write that. I just felt myself, it felt like work. And Mm. so now I'm learning to, I don't know, ask and listen, like, okay, what, what do I feel moved to do this morning? And I, I have like a, a box of things I can pick from. Like, you know what? I feel like just writing today. I'm just going to journal or I'm yeah, just going like to read toolbox. a little longer. And I, so I let it flow. Yeah. Yeah. That's really good. Um, yeah. Is, is there, you know, one of the things that you talk about in your writing is working with Mavericks and I was kind of curious if you could help define that word and and how do you know if someone carries that kind of maverick mentality? How do you know if it's um, somebody who's got that entrepreneurial spirit? Yeah. Uh, can you restate the beginning of what you asked? Because the, the recording chopped up and I didn't sure, hear it. Sure, sure, sure. Um, I was just saying that I know that in in the work that you do, one mm-hmm. of the words that you use frequently is the word maverick. Yeah. And I'm fascinated by that idea. What is a maverick to you? And and how do you know when you're working with one versus not? Yeah. Well, I think, I think we are all meant to be mavericks. Uh, the more I look at that word and the more it resonates with me, I, you know, being a cowboy and growing up doing what I did, for sure it resonates with me. And one of my favorite movies is Top Gun Maverick. You know, course, God, that right. was the best movie ever. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yet there is this fundamental idea underneath that I love, and that is self-reliance. Um, mm. Now, when you hear that word, especially from a, in a biblical content context, right? It's like, well, um, that doesn't like self-reliance. Like, no, we should be, you know, relying on, on our creator and, and, I, I have found that most people misunderstand the very intent of Emerson and when he wrote self-reliance and and really what it is, is um, just being the person that's willing to take the path less traveled, just to cut your own path in life. That's the maverick. The, like, and, and because far too many of us, especially in today's society, is we are so worried about what other people think of us. And we will literally, we aren't who we think we are. I don't know who said this. But I loved it. Uh, most of us walk around. We are not who we think we are. We are who others think we are. Hmm. And that is the that's a shame um, to not trust yourself enough to be the maverick, to cut your own path to, you know, in a leadership context, to sit in a, a room with other leaders and be able to take your seat at the table not filtering it for what you think others want to hear from you. And that was me as a vice. Like there was a moment where it's like, okay, I, I have to present. What do they want to hear from me? What do they want the answer to be? Instead of actually like, what do I think the answer is? 
That's the Maverick. Because the Maverick's like, I don't care. I'm going to I'm going to express what I believe is the best and right direction unapologetically. And that's that word, it's interesting. You never I've never been asked that, but that word really resonates with me for that reason. Because for a long time, I put that on the shelf and I didn't lead from that place. It was more about proving myself to others. And it mm. wasn't until I started to, we'll just say, step into who God created me to be, um, did I start to see things around me change. Yeah. One of the things that I'm always curious about is that there's, I know that there's a leader listening who who resonates deeply with the idea of, of trusting themselves more from your experience and working with world-class leaders. What are some things that we can do to trust that God put us in this right place at the right time to be the leader he's called us to be? How do we step into trusting ourselves more? Yeah. One of the things I teach, I do a lot of events um, or, or corporate workshops for companies. And one of the the frameworks I teach is around seven levels of leadership. Mm. And these are seven ways in which we view the world. You know, we see the world through a, a lens, a filter, right? It's shaped by our belief systems, our, our past life experiences, even trauma, you know, our political views, religion, all of that shapes how we see the world. And there's not one of us in a room that sees the world exactly the same way. And so this this framework, these seven levels, helps us kind of understand why things are the way they are. And what a lot of times happens is we start viewing our circumstances through, um, well, one of three lenses, either a victim lens, kind of like, just kind of this sucks. You know, I just can't catch a break. Um, I'm burnt out. I'm overwhelmed. Right. Or, or we see it through the lens of the fighter lens, I call, call it, right? It's kind of this, We for me to win, someone's got to lose. Like it's, uh, business is, is a battle. You know, there's a war here. And that's why we have war rooms in the, the, the corporate offices. And it's like all about winning or either win or you lose. And, um, and, and or level three is kind of this lens of rationalizing away failures. Like, and we fall a lot of times where life can get hard. Leading a business can get hard. And the best we got, if we don't want to be the victim or be a be a jerk and be all, trying to run through people, is to just kind of rationalize why things are the way they are. And we end up kind of justifying our failures and our mistakes. You know, one of the number one things I heard during the the pandemic was, right, you know, it's it's COVID. What are you going to do? And and it was just kind of like, well, there's just we're just going to have to cope through these next couple of years. There's not much. But then there was other companies like literally revolutionizing their business because they were seeing through a different lens. And so that shift that I help so many people get through, and this is a long way to answer your question, but to start to see everything as an opportunity, like what is the opportunity here? Learning to not judge it as good or bad. Ain't, ain't bad, just is. So what mm. do I, what do I want? What would I love? What would, what's the result I most want to see here? What's the opportunity and be willing to get clear on that and then just be like, okay, well, what would the next step? If I was committed to doing that, what's my next step? Because when we're in level one or victim or down, we're just kind of stuck in a story. We're like in a a, a story of, you know, God, this sucks. And, uh, I've always got to be the one that 
puts, I can't other people take ownership of this or God, I just get so many emails and, and, and we just, we complain and then we kind of um, find ways to tolerate it. Um, what I encourage leaders to do is no more tolerating. What are you tolerating? That's probably an opportunity because hmm. if you're willing to be with what you're tolerating and say, I'm, I'm going to commit to creating a better outcome to where I no longer have to talk. Here's what happens though. Is that means some, oftentimes we have a have to have to have a tough conversation with somebody. We might have to let somebody go or, 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 or potentially hurt somebody's feelings because there's something about their behavior that's not working for us. But this, what I have found with so many of my clients and then when, when I'm doing workshops, when we start to look at how we could best address that, it's usually one conversation or one, one, one bold move away from everything changing. Like if you think wow. about it in one yeah. conversation can change everything, but you have to have the courage to step into it. Hey guys, just pausing this conversation with Zach to remind you to check out the Life and Leadership newsletter. It comes out every single week. It's chock full of resources, uh, a note for me. It's where I'm doing all of my writing now. If you are a leader, you've got to sign up today. Go follow the number two leadcoaching.com. You can sign up there at the bottom, or if you want to take an integrity quiz, you can sign up there as well, backslash quiz. Now let's finish up this conversation with Zach. I would love to hear your perspective on what the corporate culture is like since COVID. I've heard some things about the great reshuffling where people are leaving industries. You know, people have gone to work from home to now we're back at the office and then back to work at home and kind of trying to find things. How would you describe the corporate landscape? It's an unfair question. No, it's not. It's actually one I've been thinking a lot about because I'm I I don't know when this podcast will air, but. Um, I have an opportunity to give a TED talk, uh, in, uh, 2024. And so it's kind of the topic uh, that I'm really thinking about is this leadership burnout mm-hmm. epidemic, you know, like there's some statistics out there that show like eight out of 10 leaders say they feel burnout and emotionally drained by their work, eight out of 10. Wow. And, and yet our self-care industries just, you know, hockey stick growth you know, like we keep investing more and more on self-care, but yet eight out of t- 10 people um, aren't aren't doing so great. And, you know, it kind of has me scratch my head like, well, it doesn't seem like our this is working. And I I watch a lot of I watch a lot of people in my industry, people that write leadership books or leadership trainers, um, and they they're big on telling leaders that, hey, you know, the times of fast growth during the, the pandemic are over for a lot of companies. There was some crazy growth, some not so much, but the times of fast growth are over. We got to get back to taking care of our people. And this is where I fundamentally see that as actually a huge hindrance to everyone's well-being is when we start putting ourselves in a position as leaders that our job is to take care of people. Hmm. Um, and I want to explain that because obviously some people are like, wow, what a jerk. Um, but, <laughs> sure. uh, but here's the thing. I fundamentally believe people are powerful. We're adults. And what I observe in so many corporate, especially right now, you know, like, oh, our people are burnt out. Um, they're overwhelmed. We got to do something about this. We got to take care of them. And this is, this is putting everybody in our organizations in a victim position. Because when we start thinking, oh, I need to do something to help them, they're going to see themselves as being somebody who needs help. And 
fundamentally as a coach, this is where I learned. I mean, as I coach people like that doesn't work. Like I can't be a great coach and, and try to help you. Like, that's not my job. You are like, if we're working together, Tony, and this is probably how you work with your clients. It's like, you are powerful. Like you are, you can, you know, you can create whatever you want. We've just got to create the plan to do that. And so one of the number one things I, I see in corporate right now is somebody is in the room, burnout and overwhelmed to the point where, um, maybe they're in tears crying, you know, like, I just can't keep doing this. I, I think of one gal, uh, we were in a, a session together and she's just like, look, I've been working 70 hours a week. I'm working nights and weekends. I missed my daughter's recital last week. I can't keep doing this anymore. And she's crying. And here's what happens. I see the leader, or at least somebody in the room quickly jumps up and goes looking for the box of tissues. They hand that person a tissue and like, it's going to be okay. How, what can we do to help you? Maybe we could take some of your clients off your plate for a while or what, or maybe what if you just took a, a couple of days off, you know, and, and I'm just sitting in the room, like, stop it, stop handing out tissues to people because as a coach, like those are the moments of breakthrough. Like when somebody's crying and they're in pain, it's like, like there's a little part of me that's like, okay, now we're getting somewhere. Yeah. Okay. And I want to look at that person and I have a rule like, hey, nobody is to hand anybody a tissue. The tissues are over there. If what, so if you need one, go get one. But I'm not handing you a tissue because tear. I'm cool with tears. Let it roll, because that's usually when truth gets told. And that's where we make progress. And I love when somebody's in that moment and I get to ask them like, wow, you know, it's understandable considering the amount of hours you work. And yeah, it makes sense that you're overwhelmed and burnout and don't want to continue doing this anymore. And as soon as I do that, you see that person like just like the the emotional temperature just drops, their shoulders drop, and there's this sigh of like, yeah, yeah, it is a lot. And now as a coach, it's like, and, and as a leader, we need to start asking our people, not asking them what we can do to help them, not jumping in and rescuing them. We need to just ask them like, well, what's specifically not working for you? Like what, this isn't like you, you know, what, what would need to be different for, for you not to feel this way, but notice that there's a subtle difference. I'm keeping the ownership and responsibility with them. I'm mm. not now as the leader making, Oh, I have somebody that's uncomfortable. I gotta, I gotta make them comfortable again. So I, it, this is my problem to solve. It's not your problem to solve. Now you might find out it's your problem to solve because they they're, they're making a request of you. That's different. They might even ask you for a tissue. Like, Hey, could I, Get, give them one, but keep them in a position of power, of ownership, of responsibility, because that's the only way we're going to teach people to um, navigate their own anxiety, anxiety, to navigate the weight of responsibility, um, because that's that's called being an adult. And we need to I believe too many leaders are trying to be parents to their employees. And that is that's that's why so many people are confused out there thinking there's a problem. Like until we teach people like nobody's coming, you got to take care of you. Mm. Nothing's going to change. So uh, this is a, a, something I'm very passionate about. And I've been able to come into organizations. Not all organizations want me in the room because it's like, whoa, that's a little different. But when we get a group of men managers in a room, like I've been in a room of 70 and we start teaching this, them this, they leave like, Oh, wow. Like they leave empowered. Mm. And I don't believe I 
or you as a leader can empower people. You, you can only empower yourself. So as leaders, we have to create environments and be the type of leader that gives people the opportunity to empower themselves. Um, and when you do, you get a, a whole different workforce. You do. And I, it can change really fast when you create a culture like that. What brought you to this realization of the empowerment comes from within? This is, I mean, obviously this is going to be a great TED talk and um, this episode will come out in uh, late March kind of time frame. So we'll be able okay. to link to your website where I'm sure the TED talk will be in there, yeah. um, which is in March, I think, if I read that correctly. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so w- what kind of was the realization? Like, w- you know, we're creating a culture of victims versus a culture of victors kind of thing. Yeah. Well, it came from, I was um, brought in to be a coach for a large organization here in Kansas City. And they had this um, saying, which I loved, um, get out of bed and use your or. Get out of bed. So bed is an acronym for blame, excuse, and denial. Mm. And use your or is an acronym for ownership, accountability, and responsibility. And what I was seeing, though, was all the leaders and managers were like, okay, Use your or, you know, and and they were taking ownership. But what was happening is they were actually taking ownership of other people's problems. They were wow. taking. And so I created this saying, like, don't take their or don't take their or don't take their ownership, accountability, responsibility, because now you're going to be a leader that's like carrying around everybody else's responsibility on your back, exhausted, complaining that why can't, you know, and, and it's it's. You that's taking their or away from them. We got to keep the or with them, the ownership, accountability, responsibility. So that's where I saw it. And it's like, it was just like, wow, this is it. It's like everybody's saying they're burnout and overwhelmed. All the leaders are. And it's like, well, it's because you're, you're taking on everybody else's stuff instead of using your or and leaving and not taking their or. And so, um, that's where I saw it, but I learned it back when I was like 11 years old, uh, when I was, I told you kind of the, the rodeo story. Right. And, um, there was this opportunity where I got uh, asked to go work on a ranch. I was 11 years old and I was going to work on the ranch. They were going to work with me on my team roping and roping steers. Right. And the day came and I'm in the kitchen and they're like, go saddle your horse sack and we'll, we'll meet up in the arena. And so I'm, I'm like, cool, you know, and I'm walking to the barn and I'm like, well, wait a minute. I don't, I've never saddled a horse before. My, my mom, she saddles my horse. I don't saddle my horse. I'm not going to ask them to do it. Like they're cat. They're like the real deal cowboys. I'm not going to, Hey, Mr. Cowboy, could you help me saddle my horse? No. And so that day I got my horse, Joe and tied him up. And I, I saw this little feed bucket um, under the trailer and I use it as a stool and I, it took about five tries and I finally got that saddle up there, cinched it down. Thank God no one was watching, (laughs) but I'll never forget. Like I remember telling my wife this story over a glass of wine and this is where it just hit me. I I looked at her and I'm like, you know, my mom never had a saddle my horse again. And like, I was feeling like a real cowboy. Like you don't, you don't feel like a real cowboy until you saddle your own horse. And so I'm so passionate about this. I'm like, you know, like as leaders, we get to do that for our people creating an environment where everyone saddles their own horse and they get to feel that sense of sense of themselves. And so we have to learn to ask more of people 
to actually demand more of them because that's when they're going to get in touch with who they truly are. And that's when we're all going to thrive. That's, that's what I believe anyway. Come on, yeah. breach. I, pre- yeah. I look, I'm ready. Let's pass the offering plate. I love it. I'm here for all of that. Give me a little, uh, give me a little self empowerment. I'm here for it. So I, I know that my podcast family loves to pray. And uh, I think that you have a big year ahead of you. 2024 is going to be a big year for Zach with the Ted talk and the coaching business. How can my podcast family pray for you and how God is using you to build the kingdom in, uh, in the Mm. workplace. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I would ask for courage. Um, and that's something I'm asking, you know, just really leading into courage and, um, cause I'm stepping out next year and I'm, I'm, I'm putting down down payments on event spaces and hotels and, I'm stepping into very large organizations with this message and, you know, it's not an easy message sometimes. And it, and I just ask that I have the courage to, to be in the room with people just like I am on this podcast and not, not, not hold back. Um, because we all have a tendency to do that when we start to feel like, Oh, I don't know if he agrees with me. See that back to filtering how we show up based on what other people think. Um, I just want to have the courage to not allow that to happen because I do believe this will have impact. Yeah. Amen. Okay. I have one more question for you, but before I ask it, I know that, uh, the podcast family is going to want to connect with you all over the interwebs. Where's the best thing to learn all about uh, you and what God is doing through you and listen to the TED talk when it comes out? What's the, what's the one-stop shop? Yeah. The one place to find me and everything. Yeah. Yeah. Um, My website. Um, In fact, probably the best way to get in touch with me and kind of get to know a little bit more what I'm doing. um, I have been writing a daily email for about a year now. Now, yeah, if you're like me, I'm not signing up for a daily email. So I'm the last person that's going to sign up for a daily email. But what I've found is this email is different because it's a every morning, it's almost like a devotional. Every morning, I share a very short and sweet email. Uh, I call it the eight second daily coach. I give you one question. And these are empowering questions, insightful questions to kind of like morning routine, it gets you in touch with what is true for you, what is alive in you, so that you can connect with that and then bring that into your day. Self-reflection questions, stuff like, so every morning I come with a very short, powerful question like that, and then, and there's a short message, because um, I'm all about, um, you know, great coaches ask great questions that that have a way of transforming people, I have a way of pe- getting people to see the world differently, like that. And so, um, to get that, you can go to my website. It's www.zacharand.com forward slash daily question. Um, and you can join the list. That's awesome. We'll link to that in the show notes, of cool. course. Okay, last question I love to ask people. It's an advice question. I'm going to ask you to go back in time and give yourself one piece of advice, except I get to name the season of life that you're in. And so I want to take you back to the end of your very first day as a full-time coach. You just left a a multi-million dollar logistics company. You're basically out on your own. You're walking by faith. Uh, 
as an entrepreneur, a maverick yourself, if you could go back in time and pull up a chair, sit in front of that younger version of you, sit knee to knee and hold hands, look them in the eye and give them one piece of advice about what's about to come, what's the one thing you're telling them? Hmm. You already are that. Mm. You already are that. Something I've something I've uh, noticed just recently, and it still comes up for me. I uh, I look at other speakers, you know. It, it's just kind of like I look at that guy, and I'm like, that I want to be like that guy. Um, and, and I, I was telling my wife the other day, it's like, I look out there in the world and I see all these people and think, and I'm like, I want to build that. I want to have that. I want to do that. And that's been my whole life. And I get in a room where I'm seeing all the people around me like, whoa, they're that. And I'm not that yet. You know, and I just feel small and little. And I kind of just like walk around in the dark, like trying to chase after what I think I want that is. And I'm really just starting to learn that it's like, you already are that like until you see yourself as that, like um, stop chasing, um, stop it. Um, you're that. And so, yeah, that's what I, I would definitely tell myself that uh, four <laughs> or five years ago, because it's, it's I'm still learning it. Um, but yeah. Yeah. That's so good. Uh, Zach, this has been such a, a, a rich and generous time. I'm so thankful for your generosity and for the opportunity to connect and, a uh, special shout out to Chris for connecting us. And it was, yeah. I'm super thankful for that. Thank you for, uh, for your vulnerability and your generosity today. Thank you, Tony. I told you what a fun guy. I absolutely love his approach. I love the way he talks about being in the arena and just kind of the stories that he's telling. I think uh, he wants all of us to wrestle with the question, are you ready to enter the arena of your own life? Such good stuff from Zach. As I said, the highest comment you can give us, let Zach know that you heard him here on the podcast. Share this episode with a friend. And as always, I'm forever thankful for you. Because of you, because of the way that you support the podcast, I continually get to do this kind of work, and I'm absolutely thankful for it. So I hope you have a wonderful day as you step into the arena of your own life. And remember, if you want to follow Jesus... You must be willing to move.